your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. And when you hear that music, that means UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski is in with us. And a happy Friday to you, Rick. A good Friday, right? A good, a good Friday. Friday. So I, I was reading about why we call it Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's the day that Jesus was crucified. Right. So it seems weird to be like, hey, good Friday, uh, bad Friday, sad Friday. I don't know. Uh, I don't, well, I don't it, really want to get into it. It's a good it. Friday in the sense that we are finally seeing some sun today. That's true. Uh, still a little cold. Little still cold. too cold for April 15th. Not too cold for my dog because she just likes, hey, I'm just going to go lay outside because it's a beautiful day for me. And that's any day of the year, like negative five. I'm going to go lay in the snow, Rick. Oh, oh dogs are tough. Yeah. Some, well, some of them. Some of them. Furry, furry dogs are. Uh, you're still here, so you're still, still here, here. A, uh, because your your wife was is I thought your wife was due today, so she and then we've pushed it. She was originally due on May six. I shouldn't say push, by the way. I should. She, yeah, don't push yet. She was originally due on May six, and now today we scheduled either a C section or induction of labor for. Friday, April 29th, so two weeks from today. That's the big day. We're two weeks away, so it's coming. Now, last week we discussed the idea that if if she went into labor on a Friday right before the show, who would your first phone call be to? And it wasn't to me. It was to your mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Also, uh, you know, Brianna, if you're listening, feel free to, like, go into labor during the show (laughs) just so that we get to react. I, I, I will be able to break down... You're going to pick up your – like, your phone is right there, right? Like, yep. And and you're probably a little bit more in tune to it because this sure. is always on the back of your mind. Is my wife going to go into labor? Uh, probably more on her mind than your mind, <laughs> but, you know, probably right up there. Yep. Um, what Just what would it look like if you got that – was she going to text you or call you? What do you think? What's uh, the plan? Do we, plan? We do have a plan. So she always texts me during the day. She never calls me unless something real bad is happening or yeah. something real crazy is happening. So the plan is that I get a phone call from her if she's going into labor because that happens maybe once a year that I get a phone call from her. <laughs> what is, now, does your phone set to – if she calls, it'll ring? Like you could yep. set your phone up and, yep. and every other call will be silent because right. I never I – Never want to hear my phone ring. No. And I never answer my phone. For anyone that tries to call me, they understand that. Anyway, so, yeah, it'll be interesting if you get that call. You, because the phone, what, what is there a ringtone? Do we know the ringtone? Is it like uh, uh, some funny pregnancy? Now, I have no idea because I never get calls from her. We always just message back and forth throughout right. the day because we're millennials. So, I don't even know. I guess we'll find out. As she goes into labor. If yeah, you'll happens. be like, what is this? Oh, bleep, it's Brianna. Got right. a, like, that's what yeah. you'll grab it. You'll, you'll that's what will happen. You'll probably forget your laptop, which yep. is sitting in here. Um, you'll have your phone. Are your keys in your pocket or your keys like? in My keys are in my coat okay. pocket, so I'll remember those. And your coat pocket. Where's your coat, though? Coat's it's on the chair. Yep. So I'm guessing you'll grab your phone and run out of here. Probably. And then you'll run back to grab your coat where your keys yep. are. I don't know if you'll get all the way to your car or not, but you'll get that far. And that'll be, I mean, that's what—that's my prediction if it happens during the show, which I feel like it could happen 
And that would be good news, right? I mean, it, you can It might want be this. destined to happen during the show. It might <laughs> might be fate at this point. And at this point, too, you, you kind of want it to ha- Like, Brianna definitely, oh. like, we're ready to have a oh, baby. She right? is so, so ready. She just says, get this creature out of me. Get this out of me. Now, if it happens beforehand and she's in labor during the show, can we get, like, a live update? What? <laughs> 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 <No. laughs> Reporting live from the from live, the, live from Gunderson. What is it called? The delivery room, the right? labor and delivery department at Gunderson. Yeah, live doc, report. Doc, talk to me about what you're <laughs> what you're seeing right now. Send Brad Williams here's, over to do a report. We're getting the head. Here comes the head. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so okay, that's Doctor Anthony Chagoski. If you haven't figured out, his wife's really pregnant and very, ready, very pregnant, ready to have a baby. Um, okay, we we tried to do this this uh, with her pregnancy over the last nine months, I think, or at least most of that time. Uh, weird cravings, and she just never had weird cravings. But it's Easter weekend, right? And I've got my list of Easter candy. We could do this. I think we can pound this out before we got to get to Brad the news. Best and worst candy. So if anyone wants to give me their top three best, top three worst candy, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. I'll take them. Um, I, I went to candystore.com, but you went to some place that has like the most sold candy. Yeah. So we've got a variety of lists here. We've got the worst, the best, and the most sold. The worst, the best, the most sold. Um, yeah. Okay. So the worst candies, I'm just looking at a list here from candystore.com. It's got jelly beans are number 10 worst, which is, doesn't make sense to me. Cause I, there's, there's too many different kinds of jelly beans. This one's generic jelly beans. I feel like that would be like top top three worst or top three best depending on the person but the the looking at the graphic here and cadbury eggs was number one worst easter candy yeah do you think cadbury eggs would also be on someone's top best well that's why i'm confused rick because according to instacart which is one of those grocery delivery services yeah they say that that's the number one seller for them low-key uh the, another way that a, a company can track everything you're doing, right? Yeah, by Google, the way, we're, on, we're, we're doing all this stuff on Google. Google's literally knows everything that I ever search for, ever write down, all my Google Docs, all the show notes. Um, also, Instacart now, like all your grocery shopping. Oh, what, what do you like? Here we go. We're going to sell this back to you somehow. Um, yeah, so the Cadbury cream egg is the worst candy, according to Candy Store, and also the most bought candy. Also the most sold. Does that mean that just parents... This is a tradition. This is a thing we throw in the Easter basket, and the kids actually don't like it, and you grow up, and you're actually like, I'm indifferent to Cadbury eggs. Also, I'd never eat them, but I don't hate them. That's my theory. It's kind of like candy corn, where it's just the thing people buy, even though I have yet to meet anyone who loves candy corn. Candy corn's like a decoration. It is. I remember seeing a a meme the other day. uh, In the 1980s, let's say, Pizza Hut was the number one purchaser of kale. Of kale, pizza. Remember, Pizza Hut had a buffet. They might still sure. have a buffet. It's been a while since I've been at a Pizza Hut. The salad, the not the buffet, the salad bar. Right. So they had they were the number one purchaser of kale, and you're thinking, wow, back in the '80s, Pizza Hut kale salad. No, they used kale to decorate the salad bar. So they were <laughs> they were purchasing <laughs> That's more. So clever. So, so candy corn, you know, like it's like the thing you sprinkle in your uh, well Halloween basket, but you know, candy corn. You know, uh, Cadbury eggs, jelly beans, these are decorations. Well, jelly beans for sure seem like decorations. Um, yeah, so so on this list of worst candies, number nine is like this weird-looking chocolate cross of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. Yeah, so I've seen chocolate crosses before, but the one in the 
image we're looking at actually has Jesus on it, like an edible Jesus. Also, he's white. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea of eating a cross is weird to me. The idea of eating a cross with crucified Jesus on it, that's number one. That's going to be the worst candy ever. Oh, for sure. For any genre, especially Easter, number one worst candy ever is a, is a cross with crucified Jesus Christ on it. My God. <laughs> My God. Like, literally. Yeah. Um, all right, so we can get to the number. We can get to the, the, the best candies in a minute, and we've got uh, a guy on the phone that wants to talk about the Lacrosse City Council decision on the Russian flag, I believe, or the flag at the airport. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. New thing, call screening. <laughs> Tried to do that over the break. Yeah. And, uh, what do you want to talk about? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I, I was enjoying that. We got some extra third eye blind. <laughs> we got some extra third eye blind. All right. So the city council, I just want to get into this because uh, we've been waiting on hold here for a little while. And number three is calling in as well. So I think this is the first time uh, this early all three phone lines are lit up. But uh, the, the lacrosse city council last night, they're taking down the Russian flag at the airport. Uh, contentious, you know, matter because of obviously what's happening over there in Ukraine. And I think they probably are going to try to figure out how to find a Dub- Dubna flag. Mm-hmm. Dubna is the sister mm-hmm. city that we have. Uh, I made this comparison, like if the United, I did it bad. I did it badly yesterday, and then as because I-, I was working it out in my mind as I was talking instead of just. But if if the United States went to war and invaded Mexico, and pick a city somewhere else, like Toronto, like uh-huh. let's say Toronto is a sister city to Lacrosse. Would Toronto cut ties with us because with lacrosse because the United States is invading Mexico? You and I are sitting here probably, and 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 it's a little different because I think depending on the circumstance, if we just pretend Ukraine, Russia, and we're Russia, right? United States, Mexico, we would be like, yeah, this probably isn't like I don't know why the United States is doing this. We're invading Mexico. It seems weird. That's probably would be, you know. And then I think Eric from Sparta would call and call me a liberal hack, and, <laughs> uh, but but. Uh, but if you know, like, there's people in Russia that are definitely like this is wrong. But there's also like Russia dictatorship, dictator. I could do in quotes, right? Because they actually elect their leader, but they're not typically they're not quite. Yeah, a they elect their leader, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, and they poison and jail the their opponents, right? Right. Stuff we talk about all the time here, but it never happens. Um, even though each side would love to see it happen, right? Like everybody would love to see what Joe or Hillary or Hunter go to jail and everyone on the other side would love to see Donald and, uh, Jared Kushner and Don Jr. All go to jail. It's kind of funny, right? Like, and then we look over at Russia and you go, wow, Putin jailed his opponent. Unbelievable. Oh, wait, (laughs) like we would all agree with that if it happened here or half the country anyway. But so we're, so if the United States invaded Mexico, would we, would it be weird for Toronto sister city to cross to be like, no, we're getting rid of your flag. You were getting rid of the U S flag, but we're cutting ties with you lacrosse and be like, we're not even, we don't even have a say in this. We're little lacrosse. Like we don't, we don't have a say in what happens in Mexico. Yeah. What is the say that we have in it? And what is our position politically relative to the entire nation? What is our influence politically relative to the entire nation? And I would say probably like city government would probably just not say anything one way or the other because like they might have a resolution. Actually, the city council might do the same thing they're doing with Ukraine right now. Had a resolution last night supporting Ukraine going to take down the flag in the airport but also like sounds like they're going to put a, a city a dubna city flag dubna russia city flag up but anyway th- so i set that up for you um is this bill yes it is yeah bill go ahead 
You wanted well, to comment on that. The city council took the first step, but it's only a baby step, and they have yet to really understand the fundamental issues with Dubna Russia as well as with getting involved in international politics. Dubna Russia has three manufacturers that make military equipment that is killing people in Ukraine right now. Also, those same weapons could be used on our soldiers. So the, we have soldiers the, going through the airport that are walking under a Dubna and a Russian flag where products are manufactured that may well kill them and prevent them from coming home. So the city of Dubna, 75,000 in population, very similar to La Crosse, is a weapons manufacturer? They have multiple very high-tech. One of them is called MK Reduga. They make the hypersonic missile. Okay, so you... The Tass News Agency announced on last October that beginning in Dubna, a company... Uh, high-tech company Crunchstat will begin producing six models of their drones as well as unmanned helicopters. So if the There's city of... Oh, okay, so we're, we're not going to have a conversation here is what's going to happen. So the city of La Crosse is sending... Uh, we're invading Mexico. The city of La Crosse, uh, quick trips producing milk and pizza and, and food items. They're sending the soldiers uh, in, in the United States invading Mexico. So therefore, we have to cut ties because we're making goods that we're sending to soldiers and that's why i bought up in the hypothetical of toronto cutting ties with lacrosse right like what is lacrosse's actual role and influence and political situation i would want to know about that before i could make a strong judgment about cutting ties or not so i guess what i'm getting at is this dubna dubna uh it's it's uh it's dubna dubna i I think their political position and their role more generally in Russia is relevant to this discussion, and I am completely uninformed about all of that right. stuff. And, and, <laughs> and in Russia, if the government or people don't toe the line with what you're saying or what you're doing, you, yeah. you go to jail. And you so, do have to take that into account. Right, because if you and I, we could sit here and bash Donald Trump, Joe Biden. Sure. Uh whomever we can bash Mitch Reynolds, right? We're not going to go the mayor, right? right? We're not going to be punished for that right. per se, right? Mitch might not come on the show anymore, but that's his choice. If we bash him, Joe Biden won't come on anymore. Uh, haven't had Donald Trump on yet. He, you know, invited him a couple of times. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, let's keep, let's keep going. We'll go back to the phones here. C- caller. Who's this? Okay. Hello. Oh, all right. Good job. Uh, number three, go ahead. Siberia. They send you, yeah, right. If you were, if you talk bad about the government, maybe, and you're a government official, you either go to the gulags or you go work in Siberia. Wait, is Siberia in Russia? Is that a city? Siberia is oh, a country, right? That's the cold, cold land where they sent the Germans. There's nothing up there. Anyway, the reason I called. Are you there? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the county wants to start up some daycare centers in La Crosse at two of our schools? Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing that gets me. About half of the spaces at these centers would be reserved for children of school district staff. Yep, half half the 60 kids. So 30 kids. The other half would be for families experiencing poverty. Yep. So the other 30 kids would be for families that can't afford child care. That, well, That's what I can figure that out on myself. How come the school district staff's children get to go there? And it's, it's they have paid to pay. for by the government. It's not paid for by the government. They have to pay. 
Okay, they have to pay. So, like, we can't have a conversation. The lacrosse school district staff has to pay. It's $8,000 a year, I believe, is what Jaden Kleekamp told me uh, after the show. Somebody texted in, how much would the the staff have to pay? It's $8,000 a year. Uh, People that are living in poverty, that hit a certain threshold, that can't afford, that wouldn't, you know, well, hit a certain threshold, would be able to send their kids to uh, these two lacrosse school district schools that are going to har- have harbor childcare. And Rick, it's the new employee retention strategy that we're seeing. We're seeing it with Quick Trip. That's exactly why they're building the childcare center kind of by the pizza ranch. They want to have the ability to retain employees to provide this really key benefit and perk to employees. And that's exactly what the lacrosse school district is aiming at. It's famously said that so many teachers burn out and leave the profession after five years. Keeping staff is critical for school districts. Having that long-term commitment on the part of staff is really key. And one way you can do that is to make it easier for them to work and to be employees without having to not work because they have to take care of their kids. UW Lacrosse has a child. UW thing, Lacrosse right? has the same situation where you have to have some tie to the university, whether you're a student or a staff or faculty, and then you're able to get on a year and a half waiting list to get in. And so we're already currently on the waiting list for a child that is not yet born. Well, how long ago did you get on this waiting list? We got on the waiting list when Bree was Four months pregnant. I could make like kind of oh four months pregnant. I could make kind of a joke like yeah we did this about a year and a half ago. I'd be like oh you've been trying <laughs> to have a bit. <laughs> uh, just another uncomfortable comment from Rick on a Friday talking about Bree and Anthony's pregnancy. Um, all right, we got to hit Brad doing the news. Scott's comment coming up before that, and you know after this, what do we want to talk about? Government more Governor Ever Friday night vetoes. More vetoes on a Friday. Some. Is some developments in elections for Congress, for state legislature. Election season is picking up. Yep, we're only, uh, what, four months away. Yeah. Four yeah. months away from a primary. Well, Democrats, anyway. This is a good Friday song. It is. And, you know, candy ish themed. Sure. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. That's Lacrosse, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. We always bring him in here on a Friday as long as his wife's not having a baby. And uh, we're, we we started the show talking the worst candies as it's Easter weekend. And, you know, the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is, of course, surrounded by a baby, a, a, a be, an egg having a baby through uh, an egg. Did I say an egg? A rabbit hatching eggs to Bless the life, the re-resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) And then we do that with candy. Okay. And a basket of eggs that are made of chocolate. Yep. I don't know how, like, how do all these Christian holidays get hijacked into weird, is there, there must be a book that explains this somewhere, right? Like Santa Claus is, I get it, it's St. Nick, but it gets hijacked into this guy comes down the chimney and we get, you know, Legos. Yeah, well, I mean, Christmas generates enormous sales for retail. This oh, so generates capitalism. I, that's kind of what I'm hinting at here. <laughs> and this generates enormous sales for the candy industry. So I think that has something to do with it. The candy it. industry and then the, like, what is the plasticky, like, fake grass thing that goes in the Easter basket? Oh, that yeah. Weird, yeah. That just go, eventually just goes into the ocean and chokes a turtle to death. Yeah. That's what that <laughs> stuff is. 
Use the paper fake grass, right? Use the like take the construction paper, cut it up into slices. If you're going to do that, kill, oh, that's a good idea. Kill some trees, not some yeah, not, not, burn not turtles. Some, yeah, not turtles. <laughs> okay, worst candies. We did it. I think you and I are in consensus. The eating of a chocolate crucified Jesus Christ cross is uh, is the worst candy ever. And why would that even be a thing? Right. The worst thing I've ever heard. And I'm not even that religious. Uh, Cadbury cream egg, is, you said, is the number one sales. It's the number one worst candy on this candystore.com website. So we'll go to the 10 best candies real quick. And I know we got a caller that actually wants to talk a little bit serious as we talk about Easter. And he wants to talk about like just the, the I think, the results of eating too much candy. But um, as I'm drinking a sugary drink over here, too. Uh, they, so this list says crackle wrapped in Easter with an Easter wrapper. I say void. That doesn't count. That can't be a best candy. Uh, regular Skittles inside a plastic egg. You can buy Skittles inside a plastic egg. Oh, sure. Void. That doesn't count. You can't. That's just Skittles. Like, that doesn't count. It's not Easter candy. It's just Skittles. Robin, Robin's eggs. So uh, the, the the chocolate eggs that look like Robin's eggs. Mm, mm-hmm. That's Easter candy. You good with that one? Oh, absolutely. Because it's it has some theme that is related to the season. Yeah, okay. Also, Robin's eggs, they're okay, think about like the bird Robin. Sure. The, the eggs yep. are cool. They're they're like they light, are. they're light blue. Yep. We're eating them, but they're they're also Easter candy. That's weird. I I don't know, but I get it. It's somehow it's it's been turned into an Easter candy. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Even though I think I do because Robin eggs are unique. Um naturally flavored jelly beans. So on the worst list, number 10 was generic jelly beans. On the best list, number 5 is like naturally flavored jelly beans. I don't I don't know what those are. Well, naturally flavored. Are those like organic or, you know, like new age jelly beans or something? Yeah. Because sounds... I love jelly bellies. Like jelly. those are really good. It sounds just too liberal. <laughs> naturally flavored. It tastes like what? Cheese? No, that wouldn't be natural. Um, you get num- them at the co-op. Number five on those. I think they said that was number five. This is number five. Marshmallow Reese's Cups. Nope. Void. That's just the s'mores without cracker. That doesn't count. You're just taking Reese's Pieces and putting marshmallows on it. Uh, number four was foil-wrapped chocolate eggs. So just those chocolate, you know, you squeeze the chocolate oh, egg and, the, and yeah, it pops yeah, out yeah. of the foil. Yep. So also just a detriment on society when we, we're just wasting little pieces. of Like, think about how much garbage there is with candy. Like one Now, those you, are good for portion like control, though. Hershey Kisses, one, sure. the foil, the amount of garbage. There. Yeah, you're, you're right, portion control, which is what we're going to get into in this phone call, I think. Uh, number three, egg-shaped Reese's Cups. These are like your Christmas version of these is like your favorite, right? Yes. Egg-shaped Reese's, like Christmas tree f- shaped Reese's peanut butter cups. We've gotten into this, why the holiday version of Reese's cups tend to taste better than the normal version of Reese's cups. And that's because the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is different in the holiday version. There's more chocolate, more chocolate, more chocolate in the holiday versions. I say void because it's just Reese's cups again, even though you say there's a little bit more peanut butter. Uh, Number two on this list, hollow chocolate bunnies. So number three on the worst is solid chocolate bunnies. Number two on the best list is hollow ones. Yeah, so, I agree with that. I mean, if they're the same price, I want the I want the 
the not hollow one. Although I, you're you're right. Well, when I was you, a kid, you really got to gnaw into that thing. Yeah, got to have a strong jaw for those solid chocolate bunnies. When you were a kid, did you Good ever teeth. did you ever find like mom's or grandma's like baking chocolate, like the block of baking chocolate? You ever find that as a kid? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then you just start eating it as a kid. No, yeah, yeah, because I, I would I, eat that I, as a kid. I, I never ate it, but because you and you can't chew it because it's really right. it's right. You're just like ah. I just remember <laughs> grinding, and I have like I have space my front teeth have a little space in between so you could definitely tell when rick found the <laughs> and also that's that's terrible it's not any good like you 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 probably gnaw into it a little bit and it doesn't taste good because no. it's baking chocolate like right but i definitely remember finding that at one point in my life this is all coming back to me now and definitely trying to like argh, like grind my teeth into it so i guess like a uh, solid chocolate bunny wouldn't be and then number one best easter candy is the cadbury mini eggs and i will say i bought a ten dollar bag of that at woodman's like two months ago and ate it all right so and probably put on like six pounds <laughs> um on that note on that note we're gonna go to the phones caller who's this all right my name is nick hey nick all right you you want to you can make fun of me for eating like the uh the, the five pound bag of cadbury mini eggs right off the bat if you want no, I'm not going to make fun of you. I just hope you don't get diabetes, which is what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Go And go ahead. Well, you know, diabetics need insulin in order to treat the problem, but the drug costs 10 times more in the United States than in other, other developed countries. So lots of folks can't afford it, or they have to ration their doses. And that's because the big pharma companies, there are only three that make it. They have no nearly monopoly control, and they have so much economic and political power, they can just raise prices at will. So I was very happy a couple of weeks ago the House passed a bill that would substantially cut the cost of insulin. Yeah, Every they, Democrat in the House voted for it, and 193 Republicans voted against it. I think 12 Republicans voted for it, though. 12. Yeah, big deal. Cap, cap the price of insulin at $35 a month for people that are diabetic or need insulin, I guess. So why why did 193 of them vote against it? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'll I'll get into this a little bit. So the insulin will still remain that price. It's just that taxpayers will be paying the pharmaceutical companies the difference in price. So if, uh, what what do you think? What does insulin cost? Do you know, Nick? Is it? Well, Nick? it depends on what your dosage is, of course. But it can, it can cost as much as thirteen hundred dollars a month. Or four hundred dollars a month. All right, let's. In that range. All right, let's just say insulin costs five hundred bucks a month. So when the government passes this bill to cap insulin prices for people that are getting it at thirty five dollars. So for you, me, Anthony, if we were on insulin, it would be thirty five dollars a month, and then taxpayers would pay the other four hundred and sixty five dollars a month to the pharmaceutical company. I think that's where the that's where it makes me itchy. We're still giving the no, pharmaceutical actually, companies it, the insurance money. Insurance companies would insurance companies would pay it. Okay, you're right, but we would still. So we're we're paying the insurance companies, and then the insurance companies are paying the pharmaceutical companies. Right. So it's all go. So it's right. going but both I'm, to I'm both about corporations. The people with with diabetes, we have to who are you know have to decide between putting food on the table or paying the rent this month and oh, getting yeah. their getting their medication. Yeah, it's definitely a good stopgap. It still doesn't solve the problem that you started talking about, is that pharmaceutical companies are, are uh, I'm just going to say, raping people for four, 500 to $1,300 a month in insulin costs. Well, that's a colorful language. Um, but, you know, I, and it'll, it's going to die this year in the Senate anyway, I'm oh, pretty sure. Well, Joe Manchin I, won't vote I, for it. 
what I'm thinking, though, is that we could all do something about it in November if we all vote for candidates who say, okay, we're going to hold big farmers' feet to the fire. They're not going to be allowed to charge prices that are higher here than other countries. Yeah. Ten times higher. Yeah, and I'll say, and I'll, I'll just bring this up, too. Thanks for the call. Chuck Grassley, a couple of weeks ago, he's the Republican senator, also 88 years old. He's the oldest senator in the, in the Senate, oldest senator in the Senate. Um, he said, Democrats, well, we need to pass pricey, like price reform on um, what medicine, I guess is a rough way to say that, right now. Chuck Grassley, like this, like he's the Republican of Republicans, right? Like he's got to be one of the most well-known Republicans. He said, we need to pass this stuff now while Democrats have control of the government, because if the Senate go- swings to Republicans or the U.S. House swings to Republicans, we're not going to talk about uh, solving these, the drug price problem or the health care problem after that. And Rick, a big factor here is the power of the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of powerful industries in Washington, but of the powerful industries in Washington, the pharmaceuticals might just be the most powerful. I never bet against the pharmaceuticals when there's a battle going on in Washington over public policy. And so what you often see is that these proposals to curb drug prices do get off the ground because there's very strong public support for these proposals. There is, to an extent, bipartisan support, certainly strong support when you look at public opinion polls. But once the process gets started, the pharmaceutical industry has been enormously effective at stopping bills from advancing to passage, to becoming a law. And that has been the power of their lobbyists. It's been the power of the industry. And they have a variety of tactics that they use. But What we're contending with here is if we want to achieve the goals that Nick pointed out, and I I have no opinion about this bill, but if that was the goal, the problem to contend with is that in in a city with lots of big players, like big oil, big tech, lots of big time industries, the pharmaceuticals might just be the most powerful player in D.C. when you look at the power of different industries. All right, that's UW Cross political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're finally going to talk about uh, Friday news dump, Governor Evers' vetoes, and um, Robin Voss stuff? Yeah, some of that. A okay. uh, bunch of election stuff. All right. Lots of Wisconsin stuff. All right, hold tight. Wisconsin Supreme Court adopts legislative maps drawn by... Republicans. <laughs> All right, this is wow. another Friday news dump. Right off the right off the press. Yeah, right? we've got breaking news from maybe a couple minutes ago. This is from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The Wisconsin Supreme Court embraced a redistricting plan crafted by Republican state lawmakers Friday, three weeks after the U.S. Supreme Court threw out election maps drawn by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. In the 4-3 decision, Justice Brian Hagedorn sided with the court's conservatives after earlier joining the court's liberals. The ruling came at one of the last possible moments falling on the day that candidates could begin to circulate paperwork to get on the ballot. So, wow, is that a turnaround for Republicans? So three weeks ago, the the maps that were submitted, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court chose Governor Tony Evers' people's maps. Correct. Not people's commission maps, but his, his – I say his people because – 
when we ever, whenever we say Governor Tony Evers maps, I just imagine Governor Tony Evers like, yeah, all right, we're going to draw this little line. Like he's not making the map, so his his people's maps. And then um, the the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, we're not going to do that. And then now the so then they all sent maps back to to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The, the, all those groups again. Here's our new maps. Yeah, so. We had the Wisconsin Supreme Court in a four to three ruling, Hagedorn being the pivotal vote, saying yeah. we're going to go with the Tony Evers maps because they achieve our goal of least change. Right. And that goal was to move the fewest amount of people possible into new districts. Yeah, which wasn't a, a thing a decade ago. No. Two thirds of the population. William Garcia said two thirds of the population moved. I mean, let's, 10 years let's ago. be real. Like, courts whether it's a liberal court or a conservative court or none of the above courts just make up these weird standards out of nowhere all the time. So the least change standard is nothing that I was really familiar with, but it was kind of invented or maybe adopted in this case by the Wisconsin state Supreme court. Yeah. If it was a, if it was a rule in the ability of legislators to draw the maps, if that was one of the rules, when you, Went into whenever they started this this gambit of letting the winning party in a particular year and a decade uh, get to draw the maps for themselves. That would be fine, but they just out of thin air they just create a rule, and then the U.S. Supreme Court didn't like that. Governor Tony Evers won that ruling, and it was a strange situation, Rick, because it was on the so-called shadow docket of the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court has kind of two systems for making judgments. They have the long, drawn-out process with the paperwork and the deliberation and the arguments and then more deliberation and then drafting and redrafting their ruling. When they get paid by the hour for that When they get the hourly rate, yeah. yeah. They also have what's called the shadow docket, where they make very quick rulings and they don't really explain why they made the ruling they did. Mm -hmm. And they made this ruling pertaining to redistricting in Wisconsin through the shadow docket. So we don't really know why they made the ruling they did. But what we do know is they said, hey, Wisconsin State Supreme Court, we don't like the Evers maps. We want you to take another look at this, maybe weigh some new considerations. Not a lot of guidance at all, but just take another look at it. And now... Brian Hagedorn, the pivotal justice on the Supreme Court in Wisconsin, has flipped. And now, instead of going with the Tony Evers drawn maps, has gone with the Republican drawn maps, which are significantly more favorable to the Republican Party than the Evers maps. What should have happened, because multiple groups could submit maps, I believe. So Evers, instead of Evers submitting maps, and he could have submitted his own maps, he should have made his maps ridiculously Democratic, Democratic favorable, just to prove a point. Like, look, I can, this is stupid. And then he should have had his the maps that he submitted. He should have sold those maps to some group. Call that group GOP, G-O-P. Call that the <laughs> GOP group. The GOP group submits these maps to the state Supreme Court and and as their own as hey we're the we're gop we uh here's our maps look how few people we've changed districts adopt these maps and then the Wisconsin Supreme Court could have went well the Republicans have these maps but this GOP group. Uh, This GOP group over here that submitted maps, these maps look good, and they have no affiliation with Governor Tony Evers. Therefore, they're not the quote-unquote Evers maps. They're GOPAT maps. I don't know. I I feel like I'm one step ahead of uh, all of politicians. Well, Rick, I'm kind of reading this on the fly, and what Brian Hagedorn said is that, look, we could have considered new maps, but we didn't have enough time. 
So we had to take one of the options that we had before. And that's what is so crazy about this whole process, how rushed it is, that you have basically a race to get new maps in place, not giving people the opportunity, not giving the court the opportunity to maybe redraw the districts themselves. You kind of have to go with what you got as far as the options are concerned. And that led to a really weird and chaotic and rushed and just, frankly, bizarre redistricting process here in wisconsin and it all starts with like the census taking longer than usual yep. and we could what are we going to blame we could blame the pandemic on that sure. or just whatever how, whatever you want to blame the census on and, you know we were we were arguing about how the census was going to be conducted for a long time right so there was that and then the census gets pushed back and then the maps have to have the census and so the map process gets pushed back and then every map that's ever submitted, I think in the history of Wisconsin, except for 10 years, no, those were sued too. Every group sues every everybody for every map. And we had to go through the dance of having the legislature draw their maps, then having Evers veto them, then kicking it to the courts, starting that process. So now do Democrats just sue the who? Do we sue again? Does this go back to because the U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling, but now the Wisconsin Supreme Court accepted a map. So we start all over again. Hey, take these maps to the U.S. Supreme Court. We we think they're unfair. Yeah, this map, cov- this covers the maps for the state assembly and state senate. I have no idea what happens next. I assume this is the end of the line. By the way, they don't fight about this uh, in Iowa or Minnesota. So, <laughs> all right, that's all the time we got. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good weekend.